The most serious and universal problem is a growing chasm between the richest and poorest people on earth. War may sometimes be a necessary evil, but no matter how necessary, it is always evil. We will not learn how to live together in peace by killing each other's children. government must at the same time be both competent and compassionate. In the industrialized world, there's a terrible absence of understanding or concern about those who are enduring lives of despair and hopelessness. We have not yet made the commitment to share with others an appreciable part of our excessive wealth. This is a necessary and potentially rewarding burden. The struggle for human rights overrides all differences of color or nation or language. Those who hunger for freedom, who thirst for human dignity, and who suffer for the sake of justice, they are the patriots of this cause. The bond of our common humanity is stronger than the divisiveness of our fears and prejudices. This is Facts and Friends. Welcome to this Fox New from the top down Fox New episode of the Facts and Friends podcast. I see what you did there. <laughs> Quoting a little legal brief. My name is Meatball Tino, and joining me this week is my friend and co-host. Most of you know him as Wyoming's most sought-after and celebrated child marriage officiator, but I know him as Judson. Hello, Judson. Now that might be the worst one I've ever done. Yeah, my, that, that might be it. <laughs> Fortunately, I could be out of a job soon, I guess. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> not if Republicans not, have their way. Not if they have their way. Have we even talked about that yet? I forget. We haven't. No, and okay. there's no time to really cover there's it no this week. There's no time. Too many things. But strap yourselves in, everyone, because there is still a lot of show to pack into this episode. First, we're going to check in on John Fetterman and his um, well-wishers on the right. <laughs> that is an inaccurate and inartful turn of phrase. <laughs> We will scale the mountain of bad news for Donald Trump this week. Later on, we'll try to wrap our heads around the tragic train derailment and subsequent environmental consequences in East Palestine. And we'll finish the show with an exclusive look at what Twitter 2.0 looks like for non-paying customers. <laughs> All right, let's get started. I'm sure you've all heard by now that first-term senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, checked himself into Walter Reed this past week to be treated for clinical depression. Yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah, my hat is off to him. I mean, it takes courage to seek treatment for mental health issues at all, much less if it's going to be a national news story. Oh, absolutely. Now, I'm not saying it should take courage, but sadly, mental health is still stigmatized in the U.S. Very much so. And it's, well, it's funny to me that the people who freak out at every mass shooting about how it's a mental health care issue, then never put any money into mental health care and immediately attack anyone who ever has to seek help for their mental health. I honestly wish we wouldn't distinguish between health and mental health from like media to insurance companies to your relatives. <laughs> Most people draw this distinct line between health problems and mental health problems. I, I agree. 
Absolutely. And I also think the people that do draw that distinction, many of them, if not a majority, consider mental health issues to be less serious to the point of being the result of a person's inability to man up or get their shit together. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Now, it's possible Fetterman wouldn't have been specific about the cause of his hospitalization had his past stroke not been widely known. Right. And the fact that he just recently also had to go to the hospital again for concerns. So it's better for him to just come right out and say it than have the speculation. Well. Or was it? There's good. <laughs> be speculation anyway. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But at least the fact that he did gives us an opportunity to have a national discussion about mental health and not just as a way for Republicans to distract from our country's gun crisis. <laughs> right. Speaking of those Republicans, you know, the party of Jesus and upholding Christian values, boy, did they ever have some words of compassion and encouragement for Senator Fetterman. There were the usual America First Patriots and Christians on Twitter, as always, as is the custom on the show, Judson. I will have you read those. <laughs> Great. Because the first one is, John Fetterman is one weak-ass individual. Wow. Yeah. That's a nice tweet there. Name that I can't read because its text is too small. Enzo, I think it says. Yeah, with some burner account on Twitter. Enzo with a bunch of numbers. Yeah. Hey, that Enzo is some weak-ass individual, wouldn't you say? <laughs> This little burner account. I mean, anybody who knows anything about depression should realize that it takes way more like fortitude to come out and admit that you have the problem and get help for it than it does to simply not. It's extremely hard to do. Yeah. And I'm sure he had help. I'm, I'm sure he did. Yeah. What else do we have from the right, Judson? Oh, this is a doctor. Someone calling themselves a doctor, Dr. Lawrence Sellen. Dr. Lawrence Sellen? Uh, What's he selling, Judson? Bullshit, I'm guessing. <laughs> okay. Let's see. If it's in our show notes, it's probably bullshit. <laughs> Suffering from clinical depression, Senator John Fetterman admitted himself to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, whose staff can provide the most politically whose staff can provide the most politically advanced, woke, and critical race theory-based treatments. Oh, my goodness. In addition to continuous IV infusion of COVID boosters. And that is a picture of Fetterman basically as like Frankenstein's monster, essentially. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Passionate Christians. Yep. And doctors, supposedly. Well, those are the nobodies. Let's listen to people we've heard of. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a feeling, you know, the, the people that elected the vegetable senator from Pennsylvania... Uh, you know, I have a feeling that a lot of the people that, you know, cast those ballots probably couldn't tell you who's on the ballot for the Senate. In He's Pennsylvania. back in the hospital, by the way. Uh, you know, and I, w I wish him well. I don't mean yeah, him, no, I don't, do wish I don't him mean well. him any harm. Right. But like I could see that mile away. And I was criticized for being an ableist, meaning yeah. I'm discriminating against someone with disabilities for expecting a United States senator to have yeah. basic cognitive Absolutely. function. I don't think that's negotiable. No, it's uh, not. You can call me whatever the fuck you want. Like, right. like that's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. And yet. Oh, it's terrible. It's, like, it's like, the ability to do the job. Yeah. Like, we need someone that is thinking really well. That was Nepo Baby and star of the film Cocaine Bear, <laughs> Donald Trump Jr., on his podcast with special guest Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's a lot in that little clip that yeah. I really, like. there's too much to me to even talk about. But like Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that we need someone who thinks very well as a senator. <laughs> <laughs> By what standard are we judging thinking very well, Madam Space Laser? 
Don Jr. calling the guy a vegetable? And then saying he wishes him well. Yeah. Well, first of all, it was Oz who was the crudite guy. It's not uh, not Fetterman. And he had a stroke. People have strokes all the time. That in and of itself is not a disqualifying event. People have depression all the time. In fact, people who have strokes often have depression. Go figure. They've come face to face with their mortality. And are struggling through recovery. They're struggling to recover through you know mental fog or whatever you know, after, after effects the stroke has left them with. And that can lead to exactly what Fetterman is experiencing right now. If, even if he hadn't already had a predisposition to clinical depression, which apparently he might have had. Sadly, it's visual, but at that exact moment, he calls Fetterman a vegetable. That's right. The son of <laughs> Donald J. Trump and brother of Eric yeah, yeah. dunks on someone's cognitive health. Person, woman, man, <laughs> camera, TV. In June of 1775, the Continental Congress created a unified army our army manned the airport. It ran the ramparts. It took over the airports. It did everything it had to do. This is the very definition of totalitarianism. <laughs> the kidney has a very special place in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot how dumb he was. <laughs> Next week on Throwing Stones from Glass Houses with Don Jr., he'll take that scumbag Hunter Biden to task for excessive drug use, shady business practices, <laughs> nepotism, and womanizing. The fail son extravaganza that would be the Hunter versus Don Jr. Uh, event. That would be <laughs> impressive. I know he's gone after Hunter already. Like, he's already thrown that stone from his glass house. He, didn't he at one point say he wished his name was Hunter Biden because we could trade on his dad's name? Like, oh, my your God. Name is Don Trump Jr. Like, what do you, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, I would rather be named Hunter Biden no, but, than Don Trump Jr. <laughs> that was not the context in which he used it. I, I totally agree. <laughs> anyway, I got derailed there for a second. I'd apologize, but it was Mayor Pete's fault. Anyway, when, <laughs> oh boy. when Junior calls Fetterman a vegetable, MTG looks positively aghast. I took a screenshot of the video and I put it into the show notes for you to see, Judson. Well, that is some fourth wall breaking right there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, how would you describe that thing? I have never seen Marjorie Taylor Greene so desperately wish she were somewhere else. Yeah, she looks mortified. Don Jr. is looking at her and she stares right at the camera like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you think? Does, is she showing like a flicker of compassion? I think she's showing a flicker of calculation. Okay. Because she realized in that moment that this was not going to play well. Right. That the lack of empathy shown by this guy was not going to look good for him or for her. Right. So. Well, Don Jr. just plowed ahead. <laughs> as he is wont to do. Generally through a pile of cocaine. Right. John Fetterman is a pretty intelligent guy. Post-stroke, he's had some difficulty with spoken communication. Sure. Doing it and comprehending it, which admittedly, it doesn't look great on television. Yeah. The optics of it are bad. At least so far, it doesn't seem to actually impair his ability to function. He needs a, a very minor you know, accommodation for like the debate where he, he needed a, a little bit of assistance there or was asking for a little bit of assistance there. Also, I'm pretty sure both of those assholes in that clip and most of the Republican Party backed Herschel, I want to be a werewolf walker for Senate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that is correct. We'd have to check the tape, but I'm pretty sure that is what happened. Yeah, you kind of pointed this out. At least Marjorie Taylor Greene did promise never to run for Senate when she insisted <laughs> one of the job requirements was the ability to, quote, think really well. <laughs> 
I don't even know what she thinks that means. I just I don't either. She's just saying words. Well, Junior and MTG have competition for worst take on a fellow human being's medical crisis. Have a listen to this. What do you think of Giselle Fetterman, who pushed this poor man to run for Senate? Now he ends up in the hospital with clinical depression after already being hospitalized. I mean, is yeah, there that, a more <laughs> twisted scenario than this? Frankly, cruel it, scenario it, than this. It, it feels very much like a Lady Macbeth situation, which she's very ambitious, and she used her impaired husband as the vehicle to achieve some of her ambitions. It's, it's sickening. I mean, it's sickening and cruel. It is. What sort of Eve ate the apple, Pandora opened the box bullshit did we just step into there? I don't know. Does Fetterman himself have no agency here? Is it because of the stroke that suddenly he can't make decisions for himself? That's the narrative she's spinning, along with misogynist white guy number six she had on the show. I don't even know his name. Right. You know, I'm never surprised when the right goes out of its way to attack anyone on the left, particularly black and brown people and women. But sometimes they get really creative about it. This came out of nowhere. And Giselle is a philanthropist. She founded a nonprofit in Pennsylvania that provides low-income families with toys, diapers, clothing, formula. Oh, yeah, but they hate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Helping poor people? No, 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 no. Was she giving it to those assholes in Ukraine? <laughs> <laughs> Unless they were, she was just giving them bootstraps. That's not acceptable. That's the only thing you can give them. She co-founded another nonprofit focused on tackling food insecurity. She and her husband also opened the fucking pool at the lieutenant governor's mansion to low-income kids that don't have access to pools. I'm glad you finished that up because I was very confused what the fucking pool was at the lieutenant governor's mansion. It has a pool. It's a like a lavish estate, right? Right. No, but but the way you the way you phrased it initially uh, before you got to the end of the sentence, I thought they had a pool specifically for oh, fucking. The fucking pool. Yeah, I thought it was a pool specifically for sex, but <laughs> but I got it now. I didn't know you joined <laughs> QAnon. <laughs> I am a deep plant by the Q, the, the Q folks. Apparently, every week it just, we just keep adding to the list of evidence. Feelings we're going to unmask you in our season finale of season three. <laughs> I've been Tucker Carlson the whole time. <laughs> At least just about nobody that watches Fox News knows the first thing about Lady Macbeth. Yeah, it was a weird reference. I agree. Choose your references more carefully. You're, you're dealing with an what? audience with like the IQ those, of... Those coastal elites, they always attack, and yet then they drop like Lady Macbeth references. Like, come on, man. So... Does it come down to jealousy, like so much of their contempt to, for the far smarter, far cooler, far more creative, far better liked and better looking left in this country? I don't know. I'm upset about these narcissistic spouses in Washington, D.C. There are many of them. And I think in the case of Giselle Fetterman, it's pretty bad. All these fawning articles about her in the thrift shops and she's got a new platform. Mm. She and Jill Biden with the Vogue stories. Kellyanne Conway just came right out and said it. How dare magazines do cover stories on people who are famous or wealthy or whatever. They've never done that before. That's so weird. Here's another clip of another conservative voice uh, complaining about Giselle. Well, all I hear all day long at school is how... <laughs> Great Marsha is at this, or how wonderful Marsha did that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That's what Kellyanne Conway sounds like. Absolutely. It, it, it is, as you alluded to, it's jealousy, at least in some respect. Yeah. They're well-liked. I'm not going to opine about attractiveness, but they might feel that they're less attractive than the, the, the those on the left. And they desperately want 
what those folks have. Well, it's funny they should be attacking a guy who seeks treatment for mental health when the right takes mental health so seriously. I mean, <laughs> just this week when four people were shot and killed at the University of Michigan or six shot dead in Coldwater, Mississippi just yesterday, the right screamed about the need for better mental health care in the United States just so as to block out the cries for sensible gun control. I mean, they can't blame it on the guns. They got to blame it on something. They don't care about mental health. They never have. It's just been a way to avoid talking about the guns. It's too soon. It's mental health. It's the breakdown of the family structure. It's yeah, LGBTQ rights. It's always something else except for the guns. And right. every other country has all the things we have. LGBTQ people, uh, mental health issues, all those other things except for the guns. And they don't have that shooting problem that we have. Absolutely. It occurred to me that newer listeners might be wondering why we're not devoting any considerable time to those mass shootings that I just referenced. Right. I just wanted to let them know that we've done shows on the epidemic of gun violence in this country before. And honestly, nothing substantive has changed. Uh, that never-ending loop of avoidable loss of life, thoughts and prayers, and then failure to take meaningful action persists. The Second Amendment has nothing to do with a person's right to own a gun, despite what the activist Supreme Court declared in 2008 in the Heller case. Agreed. So, fuck you and your guns, GOP. We'll be right back. Hey, FNFers, Judson here. Tino and I are always looking to interact more with our fantastic audience. If you have questions, ideas, complaints, or just need a friend, you can reach out to us at factsandfriends at gmail.com. That's facts, the letter N, friends at gmail. And if you want to make a more intimate connection, I'm on Twitter at the fault in my arse. Again, the fault, the letter N, my arse. And you can find Tino at Uncle Tortilla. We can't wait to hear from you. Okay, Judson, I hope you brought your Stetson in lasso because... Yeehaw! Ding, 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 ding. For the latest in stable genius news, it's the Trump Roundup. Well, let's start with the small stuff and work our way up or down, depending on who you ask. We learned last week that Team Trump turned over another classified folder. No documents, just the folder. And one of Trump's attorneys, you also heard, uh, has confirmed that they handed over an empty classified folder found in Trump's bedroom after receiving a, a subpoena. Uh, I want to get your reaction to how Trump's attorney is explaining why it was in Trump's bedroom. Uh, he has one of those uh, landline telephones next to his bed, and it has a blue light on it, and it keeps him up at night. So he took the manila folder and he put it over it so that it would keep the light down so he could sleep at night. <laughs> now let's go way out on a limb here and pretend for a second that that's true. Why would, it why would we do that? Why, why would we give them the benefit of the doubt? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just pretend. Okay, fine. Has he not heard of a sleep mask? Yeah. And how bright is this fucking phone light? I don't know. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Also, I don't think there's a manila folder big enough to cover up the incalculable damage he's done and continues to do to our democracy. So sleeping at night, blue light or not, was really never on the table. Uh, yeah, he doesn't really have any trouble sleeping at night. He doesn't have a conscience. He doesn't have that little voice in his head that would keep him up. My bad. You're right. Okay. Also, I don't think there's a phone or a light. I said we're pretending there is. We both know there's no phone or light. Sorry. Go ahead. What I was going to say is this might have kept him up at night a few nights. Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a <laughs> pussy ass bitch. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. If Trump is turning over an empty classified folder, wouldn't your first guess be that at best he kept the contents of the folder for himself or that at worst his daddy Putin has them now? Yeah, I don't I don't know what my first instinct is here, because at some point his excuse about all the classified documents being found was that he had taken some keepsakes home. Right. Right. And this folder would clearly fall into that as an example of one of those things that he took just because he thought it was cool to have a classified folder. Was this empty folder one that he took or one that was planted? Oh, uh, that's hard to say. It really depends okay. on uh, right. what day you ask him, I think. <laughs> which which story helps him the most? So Team Trump also turned over a laptop. That's right. Hunter's laptop has to share the spotlight now. Wait, wait. there's a Trump laptop. Is it, It's a Trump laptop? It's not that they had Hunter's laptop this whole time. It's a different laptop. This is a different laptop. Okay. And apparently on it were digital copies of classified documents the Justice Department had already seized from Mar-a-Lago. Oh, boy. Yeah, which makes me wonder what else they digitized and kept or destroyed or gave to our enemies. Yikes. But uh, there is a silver lining to this story, Judson. The laptop didn't belong to Trump. It belonged to one of his aides. And that means we could be free from worry about Trump dick pics leaking. <laughs> For now. <laughs> oh, the, ni- the nightmare is... Well, not over. Sus- suspended, I guess. <laughs> He's running again, so who knows what will turn up this time. <laughs> That's true. So turning over the laptop and classified phone light cover are part of the ongoing investigation into Trump's attempt to overturn a free and fair election led by Special Prosecutor Jack Smith. Last week, we reported on the Mike Pence subpoena, which he's fighting, of course, right. on the same bullshit legal basis others have unsuccessfully used. Even conservative lawyers and legal scholars think the tactic Pence is employing here is absurd and not founded in the law. Sure. Well, this week, Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, was also issued a subpoena, <laughs> which he will no doubt fight, despite lacking any legitimate legal basis to do so. Jack Smith does not seem to be fucking around. I agree. He does seem to be taking this seriously. Don't you kind of wish he was the attorney general instead of (laughs) glacial-paced Merrick Garland? Maybe. (laughs) A little bit. I still don't think it's going to matter. They they fucking let Matt Gaetz off without any sort of charges. Do you remember this, Judson? Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. I do remember his marching orders to the Proud Boys. That's right. They ultimately resulted in a violent attempted coup. Yeah, they heard him loud and clear. (laughs) Right. It turns out, though, the Proud Boys are now calling on Trump to stand by them. I'm sure that will go very well. He's known for being so loyal to people. Right. <laughs> I still can't get over the origins of the group's name. These wannabe gun-toting tough guys named themselves after this. Proud of your boy. I'll make you proud of your boy. <laughs> Believe me, bad as I've been, ma, you're in for a pleasant surprise. <laughs> That is a song Wow, from the Broadway musical adaptation of Disney's Aladdin. It was cut from the animated movie for what I have to assume has to do with it being just a little too gay. (laughs) Disney was less woke then, so. I can say that because I myself am a little too gay. And not a fan of musicals, so. But it does make me wonder, is is the name of that group, the Proud Boys, is it itself a cry for help? I don't know. Maybe. You look at these guys, you listen to that, you look at these guys, you listen to that, does not connect. It is very weird. That's what, that that is where they took their name from. I don't understand. I I honestly still don't understand. Was there a secret white supremacy message in Aladdin? I don't know. Maybe that's why the song was cut. Isn't everyone brown in that movie? Not the genie. The genie's blue. Oh, right. Not the genie. Sure. But like, there aren't white people. 
people in that movie. And I don't understand what the Proud Boys even saw that they, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I, sometimes, as you have called me, I'm like the conspiracy whisperer with these people, but like, I don't know where they're coming from with this. I don't, I don't know what any of this means. Anyway, Joe Biggs, one of the defendants in the Proud Boys seditious conspiracy trial, has had his lawyers draft a subpoena, which he hopes to serve Trump. To force him to testify in the trial. Yeah, you're laughing. It'll, it'll go, I said it'll go so well. <laughs> There's a less than zero chance Trump will be compelled to testify in that case. He's like the opposite of a Lannister. Like, he never pays his debts. So <laughs> that's not going to happen. He's not going to come through for you guys. He's the anti-Lannister. Is he a fray? Wants to fuck his kids? He and... would probably be a fray. Yeah, no, you're right. That's, okay. that's, yeah. Oh, well, I guess we won't get to hear him plead the fifth 100 times again. <laughs> Sorry, 400 times. <laughs> right. But he's not out of hot water yet. We got a partial report from the grand jury that was convened in Georgia last year right. to look into his efforts to overturn his 2020 loss. And? This is a big one. And in legal circles, it's seen as one of the biggest legal threats that he faces. Right, yeah. Because they can't get out of it with pardons or... Nothing federal can touch this because it's in, a state, in the state courts. Now, I almost feel like it goes without saying at this point, but the grand jury unanimously found no evidence of voter fraud. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, should we just have a standing rule on the show that when we talk about cases involving his big lie, that there's an understood, quote, no evidence of voter fraud was discovered? Uh, I feel like we have to keep saying it, actually. I, I know. Really? I, I do. I think I think we have to keep it's saying it. It's always true. It is always true. It's a bit like that stupid game, did the right lose their shit? But mm. I feel like in this case, it's very important that we keep saying no evidence was found of voter fraud. Okay. Like, <laughs> then we will. All right. So they didn't release the full report because they didn't want to prejudice any juries in future trials. You right. Know, due process. Sure. The report, though, explicitly said perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses, and they recommended the DA seek indictments. So now the big question is who? Um, oh, hey, y'all. <laughs> uh, wow. This is an odd time for you to show up, Senator Lindsey Graham. Well, George gets Rafi Caron on even Saturdays, and Matt and Nestor are out of town for the weekend, so I had a little time. Oh, no. You wouldn't have happened to perjure yourself when you testified before the grand jury in Georgia last year, would you, Lindsay? <laughs> Weird. We usually have to beg him to leave. Yeah, that was that was interesting reaction. I mean, he's not the only one it could be. <laughs> oh, no. Did he let Rudy in? Oh, man. I would be so tickled if it were both of them. I think it could be all of them. I, they said the, uh, at least one person probably committed perjury. I'm like, how how could you tell? I feel like they were all probably lying. Most likely. Yeah. But as you said about Trump earlier, they're probably not going to face consequences. Rich white guys. Seems very. Semi-rich white guys. Very unlikely. Well, in other Trump-adjacent news about people lying and likely not facing consequences. <laughs> there are newly revealed text messages that show how some of the biggest names at Fox News actually felt about the bogus election fraud claims that they were pushing at the same time on Fox's air. That's right. Tuckums, Hannity, Ingram, Bartiromo, Lou Dobbs, Judge Merlot Pirro, <laughs> you name them. That's not her first name. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought it was. I mean, it may as well be. They but. knew the 2020 election fraud claims were bullshit, yet they continued to promote them to their audience as if they were real. I'd say I'm surprised, but um, <laughs> I'm not. I, we yeah. learned this from a court filing in one of the many lawsuits against Fox News for lying about the 2020 election. This particular filing is from Dominion Voting Systems. What I'm most surprised about is that we actually found this out, I guess. So what did they say? Well, there was this fun text exchange between Tuckums and Laura Ingram. You want to read it? <laughs> I mean, since I am apparently Tucker Carlson in disguise, 
realize I guess I should. That was a confession, everybody. That was a confession. <laughs> Tucker said, Sydney Powell is lying, by the way. I caught her. It's insane. And then Laura Ingram replied, Sydney is a complete nut. No one will work with her. Ditto with Rudy. Well, that's because of the flatulence. <laughs> I mean, he gave people COVID all the time with that. He did. Also, in testimony, Hannity and other Fox employees said they doubted Trump's claims, with Hannity being quoted as saying, I did not believe it for one second. Hey, Judson, you remember these people? Tonight, every American should be angry. You should be outraged. You should be worried. You should be concerned at what has happened in the election. The Dominion software system has been tagged as one allegedly capable of flipping votes. And by the way, the states, as you well know now, they have no ability to audit uh, meaningfully the votes that are cast because the servers are somewhere else. And with the assistance of Smartmatic software, a backdoor is capable of flipping votes. You just said it all. This is a Smartmatic, a Delaware entity registered in Boca Raton, Florida. Activities in Caracas, Venezuela. How, for example, did senile hermit Joe Biden get 15 million more votes than his former boss, rock star crowd surfer Barack Obama? And they knew from the top down. It wasn't just the on-air talent. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was everyone. The executives knew, too. Off the air, executives called the voter fraud claims, quote, mind-blowingly nuts and totally off the rails. I mean, I, I want to say they were just asking questions, Tina, right? I mean, that's all they were doing. Just They were just posing, hypothetical, just, you know, making sure the system was... You know, secure, right? They, they weren't. No, that's going to be their legal cover. That's going to be their excuse. Yeah. Tucker also called for a Fox News reporter. It hurts to say those words in that order, <laughs> but he called for a Fox News reporter. It hurts the second time, too. He called for her to be fired when she tweeted a fact check of one of Trump's phony election claims. He tweeted this to his co-conspirator, Sean Hannity. Please get her fired. Seriously. What the fuck? I'm actually shocked. It needs to stop immediately, like tonight. It's measurably hurting the company. The stock price is down. Not a joke. Fox doesn't care about news. They care never about ratings have. and and stock stock shares. Profit. Yeah. And the profit is tied to a brand known for pushing whatever far right lies they think their audience wants to hear. They purged their senior journalists involved in rightly calling Arizona for Joe Biden. Yep. Fox News CEO Suzanne Scott wrote in a note that the job of their Washington managing editor was to protect the brand. There is nothing in their mission that has anything to do with fairly reporting news. And now they're under pressure from the likes of OAN and Newsmax, who have no qualms about churning out lies and, and right-wing propaganda. But, but I heard they were fair and balanced. <laughs> So does this not amount to information warfare, Judson? Uh, Knowingly pushing extremely damaging lies to the American people. Lies that undermine our very democracy. I mean, they, it seems like it should be a crime. They acted as the, the state media for the Trump administration. Right. Even to the point after he was out of office. Warfare is a strong word, but it, maybe that is the word we need to use there. Now, you might be able to convince me that Fox executives and on-air personalities just did it for the bottom line. But I don't think the why is as important as the what here. Right. I think there need to be consequences that extend beyond the financial. And I know, know that they're protected by the First Amendment, but should they be? Do you think the founders envisioned this scale and speed of information delivery? Definitely not. Yeah, you could weaponize speech in the 1700s, but it, it would have a very limited impact. In 2023, a lie can destabilize a democracy or start a war. I, th I think you're right. I, it reminds I, I, me of the Second Amendment. Yeah, it, it does. That They had no, no concept of what damage could be done in so short a time with the tools available. We'll be right back. During this break, please enjoy a clip Judson really wanted to talk about. If only they'd had the time. 
You said that you're a trans woman. I trans female, yes, ma'am, sir. Do you have a penis? That's horrible. Yeah. You're the one you're the one that brought that into the discussion. For a couple weeks now, we've kind of toyed with the idea of talking about the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Right, yeah. We haven't, just because there's so much news to talk about, but we're going to do it today. First, I guess we need to establish what happened. So, you want to take us through that, Judson? Sure. February 3rd, a Norfolk Southern train carrying hazardous chemicals, among them vinyl chloride, derailed about 50 miles outside of Pittsburgh in East Palestine, Ohio. Vinyl chloride is a highly flammable substance with safety data sheets recommending a half-mile evacuation radius at a minimum. Uh, Experts conducted a controlled burn of the toxic chemicals in order to limit the danger of an uncontrolled explosion and... Maybe to clear the area faster so Norfolk Southern lost less money by having an inoperable track. But despite these efforts, the ecological effects in the area may be felt for years to come. Uh, The NTSB should have a preliminary report out in a week or two, but early indications are that the train was suffering a mechanical failure for at least 20 miles prior to the accident. It remains to be seen why this wasn't detected or dealt with before the failure cascaded into a disaster. Thank you. So the other issue with this story, and it probably played a part in us not featuring it on our show was that it really wasn't widely reported. And when it was, it seemed only to be sort of in passing. Why do you think it wasn't widely reported? If you even agree with the premise. Maybe because the U.S. has more than a thousand train derailments every year, two to four per day on average. And about half of those result in the release of hazardous chemicals. A Conrail accident in New Jersey in 2012 released another 23,000 gallons of vinyl chloride while a Norfolk Southern accident in South Carolina in 2005 resulted in the release of 90 tons of liquid chlorine and nine fatalities. Or maybe this story actually was widely reported. The Associated Press, NPR, The Washington Post, and The New York Times all had their first coverage of the accident published by February 4th, just the day after the derailment. Maybe the trouble isn't that it wasn't reported, but that people are now getting their news primarily from social media and other non-traditional sources. And thus, when person A tweets out how they haven't seen anything about it on the news, they mean their curated Facebook feed or favorite subreddits. Okay. And that convinces person B that there hasn't been any reporting on the, on the issue because the first coverage of the accident they saw was on their own highly curated Twitter feed. They retweet it, so person C, also terminally online, <laughs> sees the story for the first time, along with the claim that it isn't being covered by the media, and the conspiracy is off and running. Now, let's be careful here, Judson. Sure. When you call someone terminally online, we are not doing the Throwing Stones from Glass Houses podcast with Don Jr. here, okay? I am 100% terminally online. <laughs> Me too. All right. My local station, though, I just I looked, I went and searched it on my local news station on their website, and they have 24 different articles on their website about the accident and its aftermath. Well, well now they're all over the place. Going back to February 4th. Okay, okay. And I'm a solid eight-hour drive within about four states away from the side of the derailment. So can you tell us what the fallout has been from this accident? Sure. I mean, evacuations. I mean, environmentally. Possibly contaminated water sources. Uh, we don't know everything yet, but uh, including the long-term impact for the area. Uh, but we do know that along with the vinyl chloride, at least three other chemicals uh, were released into the environment, and the air, water, and soil. Some of those released chemicals were toxic to fish and other wildlife, and there have been reports of some deaths of animals there, including potentially pets and livestock, where we're still kind of gathering data, the gathering data phase, I think, of this uh, as this all unfolds still. Uh, And unfortunately, because it's unfolding with 
also this online conspiracy about how it's being covered up somehow or not being covered in the media, there are lots of other bits of misinformation out there about what's going on. And so that's a, a lot of it, when you're looking for it online, you have to like wade through a lot of bullshit and fear-mongering about it too. Mm. There was a plume of chemicals that was in the river there that leached into the river there. And so they were monitoring that. They are still monitoring that as it, as it flows downstream. I think in East, East Palestine itself, there have been no detectable or, or dangerous levels of these chemicals in the air and homes they've checked, uh, some nearly 500 homes they've checked uh, the air quality and they aren't detecting dangerous levels of these chemicals. The water, they say, is safe to drink. It, I, obviously, people aren't necessarily convinced of that yet, uh, but that plume has moved downstream and has continued to dilute as it goes farther downstream. Have you seen all the videos of the people poking the creek with sticks and watching the little toxic oil bubbles come up? I have not seen those particular videos. Um, oh, there's so many of them. Yeah, but there, there are also videos, though, that are clearly also manufactured. Okay. Things like uh, dark plumes of smoke uh, from what they claim is like the oh, explosion. Oh, I did see those. And those are actually, were, have been online for at least uh, four or five months, but going back to at least November right. 2022. Again, trouble going back to the fact that we have about two of these accidents a day in the United States. And no one has died yet. We'll see. Um, so some are calling it Chernobyl 2.0. It's it's not it's, that. It's not that. I mean, anecdotally, residents have reported health problems like rashes, irritated eyes and and lungs, and things like that. As well as I said, like pets and livestock. It's unclear at this time if these are the effects from the initial exposure, from lingering detectable but lower than what they call dangerous levels of the chemicals in the region, uh, or just, you know, the understandable concerns of anxious people making connections where it's possible they don't actually exist. Right. The Ohio Health Department will be setting up a clinic in the area to help identify and address any medical issues that are, are attached to, uh, you know, coming from this toxic exposure. Well, whenever there's some sort of tragedy in this country, we play the blame game. <laughs> Yes, we do. And this one was interesting for me because there was a significant amount of overlap between the far right and the far left in terms of who they were blaming. The far right, Biden, Buttigieg, Obama, the Chinese spy balloon, <laughs> Hillary's emails, you name it, right? Sure, laptop uh, from hell, you know. <laughs> right, right. But the far left was blaming Buttigieg and Biden as well. That's not surprising to me because those are like two of the most, I would say, centrist Democrats. Pretty, pretty centrist Democrats, yeah. Listen to Sean Hannity outright lying about Trump's hand in this. <laughs> Pete says that it's Trump's fault. They want to blame regulation changes from years ago as you opposed to taking it. any responsibility. We have no rules on the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the law that, that pothole Pete was referring to, you know, was passed in 2015. Donald Trump was not president at that time. So it was actually Obama and Biden's law that he was actually referring to. Uh, except it wasn't. Regulations meant to increase the safety of trains carrying oil are going away. The Trump administration rolling back those Obama-era rules. And that's causing alarm from lawmakers in both Oregon and Washington. Our Eileen Park joins us now live to explain what's going on here. Jennifer and Jeff, two years ago, the Obama administration said that trains carrying highly explosive liquids must have electronically controlled brakes installed by 2021. But those brakes are expensive, and the U.S. Department of Transportation now says the costs exceed the benefits. That second piece of audio was from 2017. It was a local Ohio right, affiliate. Yeah. It was a law passed to make things safer under uh, Obama. Obama. And then rolled back under Trump. Right. 
and and admittedly not reinstated by Biden. And I do think that along with Trump, they do share some of the blame. Yeah, buck stops there. But you're also looking at a it's a it's an entirely Republican controlled state that this happened in. Biden even called their governor, DeWine, and this is what DeWine said. Look, the president called me and said, anything you need, uh, I have not called him back. Okay. What a dick. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> I think, I, I, to be fair, I think after that, he did thank Biden for helping. Sure. But you've got the far right, Hannity among them, claiming that the federal government is refusing to send FEMA there and, and it's refusing just to absurd. help them. It's, they've, it's they've absurd. offered, they've offered, resources are available, and Ohio's like, now nah, we got this. It's fine. Because it happens every, every day, I guess. Right. Obviously, there's blame enough to go around, but I think they're ultimately, and who's responsible for the cleanup or should be responsible for the cleanup is going to be Norfolk Southern. They shoulder most of the blame for this. Not all of it, but most of it. Well, basically what happened was a bearing on one of the wheels seems to have given out, but there's evidence from 20 miles prior down the track that it was already like on fire, like like uh, underneath the, the train, there was a clear like heat source, a glowing source under the train indicating that that, bear, that bearing was failing already. So it might've gone on this bad wheel for... 20 miles before it derailed, or maybe even more. And it's possible, I mean, these train companies are always trying to cut costs, and so there's you know fewer employees working the train, able to monitor things. They weren't, they didn't want to take the expense, the added expense to install the electronic control brakes. There's a, a variety of things that where they're trying to save a dollar here and there, and it's it's capitalism. I mean, that's that's what's to blame, at least in some respects. Absolutely, absolutely. Capitalism is a plays a big part in this. And um, and these Washington politicians, uh, Democrats and Republicans, who will never be personally impacted by these uh, these disasters. They'll play their games in Washington, pass legislation, roll back legislation, never considering the actual on the ground human and environmental costs when things go wrong. Absolutely. Well, we want to be helpful, so at the very least, we thought we'd end with some resources that you can um, turn to to help the people in East Palestine. If you go to theclevelandmoms.com slash ways to help East Palestine, Ohio residents, you'll, you'll see the resources. So please help if you can, but also let's be reasonable about what happened, how serious it is, and who's responsible. We'll be right back. The Facts and Friends podcast is brought to you by people like you. More and more, corporate America is taking over the podcast scene. Your support helps stave off a complete takeover. Please take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and followers via social media or word of mouth. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for helping out. It really does mean a lot. Thank you all so much for listening to the show this week. The Facts and Friends podcast is written, directed, edited, and produced by the two of us with occasional but valuable help from a few very smart and very funny people. Please don't forget to help to keep the show going by spreading the word about it to your friends and followers through social media and word of mouth. Also, do take a quick second to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those really do help. All right, let's dive into this morass of ego, insecurity, and incompetence that is our closed topic this week. The Trump administration. Nope. Twitter. Oh, that morass of ego and competence. And okay. A lot of overlap there. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that both of us, and we kind of touched on this earlier, but both of us spend more time than we'd like to on Twitter. Way too much time. It was true before Space Karen bought it, <laughs> but my guilt at least has intensified since he did. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's become even hard to use Twitter because of all the things you've done to it. And it's going to get harder. It's going to get worse. We'll we'll get to that in a second. According to Ben Collins of NBC News, Elon's cousin James called a, quote, high urgency meeting at Twitter after last week's But why? Can you walk us through that, Judson? Yeah, I can. Per an excerpt of an article about the situation that was shared by Ben Collins. At 2.36 on Monday morning, James Musk sent an urgent message to Twitter engineers. Quote, we are debugging an issue with engagement across the platform, wrote Musk, a cousin of the Twitter CEO, tagging at here in Slack to ensure that anyone online would see it. Any people who can make dashboards and write software, please, can you help solve the problem? This is high urgency. If you're willing to help out, please thumbs up this post. When bleary-eyed engineers began to log on to their laptops, the nature of the emergency became clear. Elon Musk's tweet about the Super Bowl got less engagement than President Joe Biden's. This was just after he'd fired an engineer for suggesting Elon was getting less engagement on Twitter because people just didn't like it. <laughs> That's right. That happened first. And then Joe Biden's tweet beat his tweet. And then, yeah, then then what happened? How small and petty of a man do you need to be? I th- think we just got our answer. <laughs> Following this high urgency meeting, they basically artificially boosted Musk's tweets so that his engagement numbers will always be very high. They basically increased his reach by a factor of like a thousand. Oh my god. So now they, they have these two different tabs when you're on Twitter. One's called For You and one is for who you're following. And the For You tab now, if you don't have Musk muted like I do, uh, your For You tab has been overtaken with vast numbers of Musk tweets because he's artificially being promoted to people to help stroke his very, 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 very large ego. Is the size of a man's ego inversely proportional to the size of his penis? I don't know. Okay. I mean, it's possible in some cases that's the case, but I, I think it could go It could go both ways. Well, while Elon's main mission with Twitter is clearly making sure he's fooled into believing he's well-liked and respected, he does have a secondary objective, and that's making Twitter profitable. Unfortunately, he's not terribly smart and has no idea how to do that. It was a terrible job. Terrible job. Which is why I got this message when I opened Twitter on my phone this morning. Big, bold letters. You must remove text message two-factor authentication. Only Twitter Blue subscribers can use the text message two-factor authentication method. It'll just take a few seconds to remove it. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 Yep. What a wonderful idea, Judson. Motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? Hey, now, Wesley. I don't think you've ever said that to me before. Clearly, Wesley doesn't understand sarcasm. <laughs> this is a... I'm going to say... It's not a... It's not necessarily a terrible idea if... Motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? (laughs) If they were sunsetting all of the text message two-factor authentication in favor of app-based solutions that are more secure. But what they're actually doing is keeping the weaker SMS two-factor authentication available only for people who pay them. It's so bad that we can't use it anymore. That's their excuse, is they're making it safer for us by pushing us off onto other modes of authentication. But they're still letting the paying customers use the crappy version of two-factor authentication for some reason. What it really comes down to is they get charged money by companies that provide this service, the two, the, the SMS two-factor authentication. They're trying to save some money by kicking off most of their users from this service that they pay for. Well, you're not going to believe this, Judson. Ah. Probably not. We have exclusive access to a press release from Twitter that's supposed to go out next week. Oh, actually, no, I could believe that. Yeah, they're not really good at security there anymore. So that's possible. They fired that team. (laughs) 
<laughs> in this press release, the company outlines its future plans for those of us who opt not to subscribe to Twitter Blue. Let's uh, let's go over this list, Judson. Let's see. What's the first one here? All passwords must be emojis. Just emojis. <laughs> Only emojis. Yeah. Okay. What else we have? Invisible here? text mode. I guess that's where you, you don't get to see your tweets anymore or anyone's tweets. I can actually see a, a plus side to that particular feature. <laughs> Number three, uh, dead dog of the day. <laughs> I, Wait, I, well, what's that? I don't I don't know. There's no more details here, but I, I think you can use your imagination. Do you automatically get a tweet of a picture of a dead dog that's died that day? I mean, or they come kill a dog in front of you? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Number four, you're only allowed to direct to direct message your aunts. Oh boy, <laughs> we'll make those sending those dick pics be a little more awkward than it is right now. I guess it depends on the nature of your relationship with your aunts. Number, number five, audio based image display. What? I, those don't mesh in my head. I don't. Does that mean like every image someone posts, you have like Elon Musk loudly describing what you're looking at? I assume they were hiring you to paint the word pictures of what people were looking at. I would not work for Elon Musk, but that would be a fun job. That'd be a fun job, yeah. <laughs> and number six, intermittent keyboard stroke registration. What? I think that means your keyboard only would work sometimes. So like oh, you, it, unless you re-registered it? I don't know. Maybe maybe it just didn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay, what's number seven? Number seven, no tweeting on Thursdays. Number eight, or, or Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> number nine, Automatic enrollment in the Glove of the Month Club. What the fuck? Is I don't. I don't, I don't know what. That and is. you only get one glove. It does say glove, a singular glove. I don't know what you do with one glove. Well, in baseball, I guess that would be useful. But <laughs> maybe in baseball, yeah. All right. What's number ten, Justin? Number ten. Refusing to pay for Twitter now costs nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> <laughs> so you can either pay us eight dollars, or we're gonna just gonna debit you ten bucks straight from your your account that you've probably got linked through to Twitter somewhere, your Venmo or your cash app or i wouldn't be surprised if any of these things come to pass <laughs> that is our show for this week thank you all so much for listening we will see you next week when we'll be joined by a very special guest Ooh, teaser excellent teaser yeah. teaser yeah take care everyone <laughs> well hey there cow pokes Oh, boy. What a roundup of rootin' tootin' stories we have for you this week about one of the biggest yellow-bellied varmints in these United States. <laughs> He's so crooked he could swallow nails and spit out corkscrews. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about crazy old man Donald. There's about a 98% chance that gets cut. Uh, I... <laughs>